Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I've got with me Chris Vines. It's good to be back, Dan. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been together. It has. Um, I know that just recently you and your family made a little trip. Where did you guys go to? We went to Disney World. Man, that's a, a great place. I know yeah. as we talked beforehand, you you have been there several times with students at your, your school. Um, I've only been there, I think, three times to Disney World. We went out to Disneyland once. But let me ask you, before we get into the topic today, what what's your favorite part or I know with going with your your kids is a little bit different than going with high school students. Uh, what was your favorite part or of or your favorite experience there this time? Yeah, so uh, let me let me I'm gonna answer that, but let me back up real quick and just say that I never never dreamed that I would have been to Disney World as many times as I have <laughs> at this point in my life, and the only reason uh, that I have is because. Uh, we do take our senior class, as you mentioned, uh, from our school each year on a senior trip. It's part of their senior mission trip. And, of course, as part of the, that trip, we we let them have some fun. We spent a couple of days at Disney. They they raise money all throughout the year. So, But like you said, also, it's a much different experience going with my family. Uh, this was our first <laughs> time to ever take our boys um, it's going to be the the last time for a while because it's it's so it's expensive, quite, quite expensive. Um, Mickey Mouse really, really uh, is proud of all of their food um, that they serve oh gosh, there, yeah. and yeah. yeah, it's super expensive. Uh, but we've you know been blessed to be able to save for the past three years. We originally decided that we were going to go on this trip in 2019 with hopes that we might go in 2020 something happened in 2020 and the world shut down and, um, we didn't go then. So we went, uh, went these last few days, uh, as we're recording this, it's, uh, February 10th. And so, I mean, we just got back two days ago, but my favorite experience, uh, with my boys was Hollywood studios. I I love Hollywood studios, the park, that, that particular park for a lot of different reasons, but we had a great time because, one, we, we were able to get there early, and we went straight to uh, what's called Galaxy's Edge, which is Star Wars oh, yeah. land yeah. Uh, with, within Hollywood Studios. And we got to ride the two main rides in that particular uh, area of the park called Rise of the Resistance and then Smuggler's Run. And uh, I had ridden Smuggler's Run before, but never Rise of the Resistance. And Rise of the Resistance is now I think my new favorite ride, but it was so cool as a dad because my boys love star Wars as well. And they, they really wanted to build lightsabers and which we got to do. We, we, right. not the most expensive ones, but the telescopic kind, yeah, but yeah. still like they got to build their own lightsaber and rise of the resistance was just a fun thing. Cause it pretty much takes you to another galaxy and, uh, you are immersed within, uh, star Wars, 
everything. You know, um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who has hopes to maybe go write it, but yeah, essentially, uh, you you get captured and you are on a Death Star and as a prisoner, and it's just it's just an amazing experience. But my boys, my like Elliot, at one point he's like he's like, is this is this is this real? <laughs> And I was like, we're not in Disney World anymore. This is real. <laughs> so it was fun. You gotta love a five year old though. I mean, that's that's fantastic. I I remember oh, yeah. going with with my son. Um, well, our first trip, my son was just a, a little guy and he was a big Buzz Lightyear fan. And so we rode this Buzz Lightyear ride where you could shoot guns. We did it again when we went back in two thousand nine and then two thousand thirteen we went with the with our friends, the, the Allens. And, and so we wrote it again, even though he's much older, it just kind of a piece of nostalgia for us. But man, those, those rides that you mentioned weren't there yeah. um, when we went uh, yeah. in 2009, they had star Wars weekends. And so we just happened to go on the right weekend and kids had their picture taken with our favorite Disney princess, princess Leia. And yeah. so, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a good time. It is. Yeah. Um, I know that I just recently listened to For the Church podcast with Jared Wilson, and he and um, Dr. Nathan Rose, I believe, is the pastor there at Liberty Baptist in, in Kansas City. They're both big Disney fans now. I mean, sure. they just love the experience. Um, it is a, for the most part, it's a family-friendly place. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Um you know, just it, it was. I was so glad to see that and to see your your guys the the, the ages eight and five. How fun yeah. that must have been for them and, and for yeah, it, it was fun, man. I mean, and you know, not to make this podcast all about that, but uh, because I could tell a lot of stories. But it it was really fun as a dad to be able to take my boys. I, I never got to go as a kid, and and honestly, it wasn't even it wasn't even something that was much on my radar as a kid, but. Uh, the Lord again blessed us to be able to save money and, and to be able to go and and also the Lord he he blessed us in in the fact that had we gone in the timeline that we originally wanted to go uh, I don't think we would have had near as much fun because my boys would have been they, they were would have been smaller then and moving around the parks would have been more difficult uh, now that they were they are the age that they are they could walk um, so. Anybody out there who's listening, who's considering going to Disney, saving for it, uh, I would say that like my kids are are eight and five, and I wouldn't want to go with younger kids because of because of just the the walking and everything that's uh, involved. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. You know, you make your own decision. But I just didn't want to be pushing a stroller around in every line and crowd and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it was fun. We had a great time, and uh, Star Wars is the best. That is great. I want to go just for that experience. <laughs> and I probably will at some point just because I, I want to go to Galaxy's Edge. I've, I've heard so many yeah. good things about it. Yeah. Well, on today's podcast, we're not talking about Star Wars and we're not talking about Disney. We're talking about wearing multiple hats in your local ministry. And that is the reality for most of us when it comes to student ministry, if we're a paid staff member, usually in the smaller normative size churches, as Mark Clifton refers to those that are 125 and down, uh, we're going to have another responsibility. It could be any number of things. It could be youth and education, youth and missions, it could be youth and outreach, youth and music was a real common one. 
um, when I was there in that type of role. But that's that's kind of what we want to look at today. And we want to talk about what that looks like for us. But before we do that, I want to mention our podcast partners, Central Baptist College of Conway. They're challenging, engaging, inspiring. They're all those things that your students may need as they try to set up a lifetime of belief and a lifetime of service. And so send them down to CBC. Let them check it out. You can find out more information at cbc.edu. And it is, again, a great way for them to, to learn more about their faith as they pursue their vocation for a lifetime. Now, they may be a ministry student, and that's a perfect place for them. We have a previous podcast where we talked with Dr. Virgil Porter, talked about their Bible program and about some of the things that they have going there. But I just want to encourage you uh, to point your students to Central Baptist College. Have them check them out at cbc.edu. As we look at this idea of wearing multiple hats, I am immediately drawn to a gentleman by the name of Cordell Stewart. I don't know, that may have been a little bit before your time, but he was drafted in 1995 uh, from the University of Colorado, and he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a number of years. But he picked up the nickname Slash. Now, that wasn't because of how he slashed his opponents or anything like that. It was because he had the role of quarterback slash running back slash wide receiver. And for those of us in student ministry, we are kind of the slash of our church. I know that with with me, especially over this last year, being the family pastor, I already have the responsibility of the cradle to college. That's what's on my list. However, during this time, I became family pastor slash multimedia expert slash um, and the list goes on. <laughs> and there are times I've been the church photographer. I have been um, a worship pastor, a youth pastor, an education pastor, the outreach guy. I mean, the list goes on, and you just get used to that. Let me just say there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that is an appropriate way for churches to do ministry. They can have somebody paid who is focused on that area. And we just need to realize that sometimes we, if we love students, that means that we have to pick up something else along the journey. And that's what we're doing. We're investing in the church and his people. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Now, Chris, what do you serve at and how do you classify yourself at Hope? Yeah, so we're not big into titles. Uh, that doesn't mean that titles don't matter. Um, right. But- if someone were to ask me what do I do, I would I would say that I uh, am I am one of the pastors at Gare Memorial Baptist Church in Hope, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if Cliff, if Cliff, my our senior pastor, if he if he were asked that question about me, he would say the same thing. Uh, he that Chris is one of the pastors at our church, or and Cliff would introduce himself that way as well. It's, it's not like we call people to a halt if someone calls me a student pastor or a youth pastor or anything like that. My area of uh, my primary area of responsibility is our families um, and uh, and teenagers uh, and and so those kind of things. But realistically, I mean, my role over the last four years has expanded to more of what you would call just an associate type role um, right, where I, right. I do several several other things. And and I, I mean, honestly, Dan, like I'm. I'm still moving in that, in that I'm learning what, what that means and figuring out yeah. what all that, that, uh, that entails and, and trying to, trying to do it well, um, trying to 
figure out how to do it and all those kind of things. But um, just simply put, uh, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at our church. And that is a shift. I mean, it's a shift in mindset in really in most of our churches. I think that I, I know that at my place that I'm at, at Calvary in Fayetteville, I'm considered one of the pastors here. Um, there's never been a view of, hey, that's just our youth guy, or that's just mm-hmm. our music guy, you know, or any, any of those type of designations. But I would say that there was a period, especially in the 90s, really even the 2000s, and in a number of churches here today, that that's still kind of the classification. You have the pastor, and then you have the youth guy, or the, the pastor and the youth and worship guy. Mm-hmm. And it's very much a designation, and that's the area that you serve in, and you don't kind of go outside of that. And to be honest, if you're a youth and worship guy, you don't have time for much of anything else. I mean, yeah. it's, it is crazy, yeah. uh, the rhythm that you have to be in to, to make that work. So why we thought that was the perfect solution, I don't know. But for so many churches, that was the combination that they were always looking for. Somebody who could work with students and then also do the worship. So let me tell you, it was, a, it was just a constant ebb and flow. As I've served in that role for a big chunk of my ministry, Sundays were all about making sure that the worship service would go mm-hmm. to get, come together. And then I would have to focus in on a Christmas and an Easter productions and then summer was always eaten up with all sorts of student stuff and then back to school, September. I mean, it was, there was really no downtime. So trying to time find, uh, trying to find time for a vacation was never an easy thing because it just didn't feel like I had a spot that I could do it. Yeah. So I'm, I love this shift, this look, okay, this is one of our pastors and he handles this specific area of ministry. I think that's probably how you're looked at, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and so just to just to share some raw thoughts, as hearing you talk and things that I'm thinking about, you know, there is a there is a shift in mindset, uh, not just in our church, but I think across many yeah. church of our churches. You know, I, I don't know exactly why the whole uh, combination of youth and music, why that was a big thing. I mean, it's I, I have assumptions of why that was the easy way of doing things, but here's something I just think about. And, and so don't, don't take me to the bank with this, but I feel like there's some truth in it that part of the reason why we, we oftentimes are, are given so many different hats or roles or things like that is, uh, is I think, I think oftentimes we underplay the importance and the significance of serving our people spiritually. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. we 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 condense we condense the spiritual uh, aspect to a Sunday morning uh, to one hour on a Sunday morning, and then the rest of the time as a pastor or a preacher, you know, you you need to be you know doing all these other things, and um and, and I I feel like when we do that, we one we stretch ourselves way too thin, and we end up putting way too much um, emphasis on lesser things, not, 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 not things that aren't important, right? but, right. but lesser things, right? Um, it's all like as a pastor, like I, I always want to go visit the sick. I want to visit our, our people who are, who are hurting, who, who need help. I want to make those calls, those kind of things. Those are very important things to do. And it will always be a part of the job. I always want to, 
um, you know, be able to serve the church when it comes to other other areas as well that involve maybe spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff, right? That stuff that just has to get done, <laughs> right, administrative right. type things. But but if I'm allowing if I'm allowing those things to crowd into and really to take precedence over um, my primary task of of feeding and leading our people spiritually, right from the Word of God which involves me preparing myself and, and, and studying the word of God, then, then something's off if I'm allowing all those things to crowd in on that space. And, and again, that's, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about because we know what we've been called to do. And at the same time, there's, there's other things that, that we need to tend to and that we will mm-hmm. tend to. And, and I think part of what we're talking about is just the, the friction that kind of comes with figuring that out. It is a struggle. There is a a definite struggle that goes on when you're paid for multiple positions, trying to to sort that out and to balance it and to realize that there is a great importance to the work you're doing. Now, I think that you mentioned this undervaluing. I think we undervalue that role and that importance of investing in our students they're at an age and a point where they're going to accept Christ. They are going to make decisions spiritually that are going to impact the rest of their life. If they don't make those decisions now, the percentages go way down on whether they are going to ever do that. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that God is sovereign. God will draw those to him that he draws to them to him. But we need to understand that we have a responsibility to invest in those students in big ways and so we need to value that. Uh, but yeah, what we're talking about today is really that tension, um, or you could call it the weight of wearing multiple hats. I've had uh, church members over the years saying, wow, you wear a lot of hats. Doesn't that hurt your neck? And I'm like, no, I mean, yes. I mean, the, the fun thing, and I'll tell you, for me, it, it is kind of fun because I'm never bored. I've worn multiple hats in most of my ministry positions. And so I never have to spend time going, well, this is just the same old, same old. And that's just not the case. Everything kind of goes along and I I get to this new challenge. It's like, okay, when COVID hit, I had to become our web expert and our multimedia (laughs) expert and figure all of that out. And and there was, yes, it's challenging. It was kind of weighing heavy on me, but at the same time, it was fun. It was a new thing for me to to figure out, even at nearly 50 years old, I'm having to sort through stuff and figure that out. So, well, we want to talk again, just very briefly about some, some things that can help you as you step through this. And as we look at this, I know that, again, many of our listeners, if you're in a small and normative-sized church, you probably have an additional role. If you're a full-time paid staff member, in, it's very rare that you'd be just the youth pastor more than likely you're carrying some other role in that capacity. And it may be a volunteer position that's not even on your job description, but somehow that has become what you do <laughs> and who you are. And so I've got, I've got five things, and then we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, but just very briefly, I wanted to get into these. Number one, as you're trying to balance these out, you're trying to walk through this, make sure that you make your relationship with God the priority. We've talked about this before, I believe, but if not, I'm sure you've heard it elsewhere. We minister out of the overflow. 
And so if we aren't spending time in the word, if we're not praying, if we're not doing those things that God really wants us to invest in, then it becomes really hard to balance the rest out. We have no spiritual energy to carry us through when it gets kind of hard. I mean, there are times when when I've worked with the student ministry and the worship ministry and, and I'm looking at Easter or looking at Christmas time especially because there's so much emphasis on this Christmas cantata. But I also have youth parties and Christmas concerts that I need to attend for students just trying to balance that out. So if I'm not spending time in the Word and just investing in me in those moments in my relationship with God, I don't have the energy to keep going. And so it becomes pretty hard. Now, the second thing is that I would say invest in your family. As you're trying to balance these things out, as you're trying to to work through them, you know, I love, Chris, that that you took your family to Disney. I mean, you made that a priority. It didn't fit specifically the time frame you had initially planned, but you were investing in them. And as we go through this different things, if we're working with students in these other roles, people need to know that your family time is important. What are your what are your kids involved in, Chris? Outside of church and, and home. Yeah. And school. So I mean, you know, so we we're not in everything and nor right. nor will we be in everything. Um, but you know, my my kids are into the typical stuff. So like, you know, right now, uh, spring season is coming up. And so we're getting ready for T-ball. Uh, uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll play T-ball. t-ball. <laughs> you know, we'll do that. Um, you know, in the fall, we we play in, in league uh, soccer, you know, that kind of thing. And I just think it's important for our kids to be a part of a team atmosphere for, you know, and to, to learn what that's like and what it's like to be a part of a good, you know, to be a good teammate. But yeah. then also for us, just as a family, to, to be able to, um, meet and, and be with people in our community that we we maybe don't know very well, um, that kind of thing. And so we're into those kind of things. Um, and then and then they also I mean they love uh, they love hiking, they love you know kayaking and that kind of stuff. And so we we try to we try to spur them on in that that direction as well. And um, so I mean just typical stuff. We're not we're not uh, atypical in any way. We just try to. Uh, in a very imperfect way, try to just spend time together. Yeah, but I know, especially with my kids and, and probably yours as well, and as well as the other parents that are listening to this, there is a, a great value when we say, hey, I'm going to be at your game. You know, I know you probably coach some as well, but um, if you're, you're one of these dads who don't necessarily coach, <laughs> um, you know, for you to show up to a game, to be there, to cheer them on, or if it's a, a band concert, choir concert, any of those type of things, for that you make that a priority. My my kids both went through their high school um, senior, well, not just senior year, but uh, senior high, um, those years in band, and I made a it was a priority to me. I was going to be at their football games while they were marching. Because I knew that during that four-year period where they were going to both be at Harbor High School, I was not going to miss that. I mean, I would have years of ministry before and I have years of ministry ahead. I'm just going to have to say no to some students um, because my kids were important and I needed that connection because that was going to be for a lifetime. And so, you know, you have to walk that and be careful, um, but you got to make sure that your family knows that you want to invest in them. Absolutely. You know, I think I've said it before on a recent or on a, on another podcast, but 
early on being here at Garrett, as I was trying to manage, you know, going to all these different events, you know, mm-hmm. and going to ba- uh, basketball games and golf tournaments and all this kind of stuff, just trying to be where my students are um, at the time. You know, Cliff, uh, my pastor, he he said something that's just stuck with me. He said, um, you don't have to always teach them with your presence. You actually can teach them a lot with your absence as well. Because, uh, and what he meant by that is, um, I don't have to be at everything. And, and one of the things that teenagers in our student ministry uh, need to see is that I'm committed first to my family, mm, uh, that I'm, that I'm, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, you know, and, uh, and that means that I, I won't be at, at every, every one of their games uh, or every one of their golf tournaments, because I'm going to be spending time around the dinner table with my family just on a normal uh, Tuesday night instead of trying to run myself ragged to all the different things. So uh, I've always held on to that. Teach, teach people with your absence as well. That is a great piece. We'll have to give old Dr. Johnson the credit for that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, there, I've got a, a couple other things. Number or number three on this is that as you're trying to balance this out, as you're wearing these multiple hats, be sure to use a calendar and a schedule. I know, Chris, you've got a system or two that you enjoy a lot, uh, but just make sure that you're using something. Find what works for you. Chris, what what is that system that you use? <laughs> well, uh, I think what you're referring to is uh, I have uh, what's called a full focus planner. Um, yeah. Michael Hyatt and, and his company and just all the different things that he teaches. Um, I've been following for probably the last four years. And, and so I'm, I'm heavily influenced by his uh, productivity methods and things like that. And so those things are helpful to me. Um, I would encourage anybody who who's maybe needing some help to, to check, check out uh, Michael Hyatt and company and just see what they have to offer. Um, and there's, there's different courses you can take and stuff like that. But I, I got started out on the full focus planner and, and basically what that does, it just helps me stay on track with what's most important on a weekly daily basis. It also has really helped me in thinking through um, goals, goal setting, and what I want to accomplish personally and professionally and um, all those kind of things. Michael Hyatt isn't a sponsor. If they'd like to sponsor this podcast, it'd be great. But uh, I, I, I would recommend getting connected with a calendar, especially if you're married, especially if you've got a family with kids and they've got a, a variety of activities make sure that you are sharing that calendar with your family, whether you use a Google calendar or if you have iPhones to share that throughout. Um, I know that even now with my, my son's married, my daughter's off at college, we still have a family calendar that we try to mark so that people can look and see what's going on. And so it's just real important as you're trying to balance all of these ministry roles. Well, number four is understand the expectations of the church and the leadership of the church. If you are the youth and worship pastor, what does that look like in their mind? You know, do they expect 100% youth and 100% student ministry or youth and 100% worship? Well, that's not going to work. That's 200%. There's only one you. (laughs) And so I think that it's important as you go into that role or if things change that you make sure that communication is is happening. And so sometimes that can be with the, the lead pastor. Other times it needs to be with with the people of the church. Um, maybe you have elders or if you have deacon leadership team, 
you just need to make sure that you understand what they're expecting. And then the fifth one is in the just the same thing is that you're communicating uh, with those that are involved in your areas of ministry. So both of those just require this a great deal of communication. And if we're not communicating in that process, that's when people are let down. They think, well, why didn't you go to this? And why weren't you involved in this this area of ministry? Well, I didn't have time. I mean, that's <laughs> that's usually what it boils down to. Uh, but it's important that that communication happens. So, Chris, when you um, when you went to Garrett Memorial, um, how was that expressed to you? You know, what did they say? Did we need you to be? Because I know your role again is a little bit different. You're the the associate pastor, or the but at that point you were working really with students, and you're kind of bivocational in the sense that you're working with students and you're working as a teacher in the school. So how was that all communicated? Was that primarily from Cliff or was there a leadership team? How did that work? Yeah. I mean, so my, I mean, the first time I ever met Cliff, I mean, we had that conversation and of course, cause there wasn't, wasn't any beating around the bush. Uh, right. Essentially I, I needed, like I was interested in the possibility of coming here, but at the time, you know, I had to, I had to, f- find out, okay, is this going to be financially feasible? Is this something that, because right, yeah. it just where we were at the time, like, is this something, what's this going to look like? What are you asking me to do? All those kind of questions. And, um, and, and so when I came here, uh, eight years ago, it was, um, I would be, I would be part-time for the church and I would be part-time for the school. And so, uh, and, and I still am, um, it's still that way. So essentially our, our school is, is a separate entity. It's all underneath the same roof. They use the church facilities and all these kind of things, but um, it is, it, it's one of the, it is the largest ministry of our church and it's certainly very much connected to our church, but it, it's a separate entity from the church uh, as far as financials and all that kind of thing go, you know, they have their right. board. Uh, so all that said, I mean, I have two jobs. Uh, I work as a teacher for the school and then I work as uh, as a pastor for the church. And that's that's and, and when I came, it was split right down the middle. I mean, as far as compensation, as far as time, all that kind of thing, you, you try to make it. I mean, it was a 50-50 thing. Um, oh, and, and over the last few years, it's it's moved to where I'm now probably 75 percent church, 25 percent school. But it's still part time, part time, if that makes sense. Right. And right. that has its own level of difficulty, just managing, um, you know, how you spend your days. And, and what you do and those kind of things. Um, but essentially, I mean, just to be, to let you know how I, how I do it. I mean, I, I try to compartmentalize my, my week or by, by those schedules. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I teach in the mornings at our school. And then uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are uh, dedicated solely to, to church, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that I, I don't ever have to do school stuff on those days. I mean, there's always some overlap, but that's just how it works. Um, but knowing that going in makes a huge difference. And you have to ask those kind of questions. You have to know what those expectations are, like you're saying, um, because if, if you're expecting one thing and they're expecting another, well, that's just not going to be it's not going to be a good scenario. There's going to there's going to be some clashing going on. And, uh, and but there's always there's always learning. Um, there's and then. Right. I'll, I'll say this, it, it's never been very easy trying to switch hats. There's always some difficulty there, but it has become easier the more that I've done it, knowing what to say yes to, what to say no to, and then also learning how to, how to just manage my time well when it comes to those things. 
And I think you just touched on a key point, knowing what to say yes to and what to say no to. And that's hard. Uh, Many of us in ministry are people pleasers, and we want to be there for everything. We want to take advantage of every opportunity and show them the gospel as much as we can. Uh, But there are things that we just have to say, no, I can't. And recently I've had to say no to a couple of things that have been hard, but I know that I have a greater priority with some of the things that are already in place. And, man, that's just super hard for me. Yeah, Um, It's hard for a lot of us, yeah. yeah. It is. It's all about communication. Um, and being willing to say yes and willing to say no at the right times, or even communicating with the people that are on your team, talking about your your youth committee or your youth adult ministry team that's working with you, making sure that they know, okay, I'm not going to be at this because my son's event is here. Hey, can you cover that? And you can give away the ministry in that same way. So, you know, we've talked a, a lot here about uh, about balancing those different ministry roles, about wearing the multiple hats. Uh, Chris, is there anything you'd like to add to this conversation? You know, the one thing that just is in my mind is we we as as leaders in our churches, of all people, we we have to be humble. We mm, have to yeah. learn uh, learn to be humble and uh, I think a lot of times where that comes, uh, I'm, I will speak very candidly for me, where I've, where I've been prideful is thinking that these hats can only be worn by me. But there's, there's, there's a lot of freedom and, and also, uh, again, giving away control when you, when you realize the truth. It, it's not, I mean, this is a truth. It's a fact that the hats that you wear can fit on other people's heads. And, and so, there's certain things that I know within my job situation that only I need to do, right? Um, I don't need to be farming out the teaching of our, you know, on a Wednesday night uh, every every week. That's something that God has called me to do, and He's placed me in here to do. But there are other people in our church who can teach, um, and and there are other things that you know. A lot of times, I pick up a hat that maybe I should never be wearing anyway, <laughs> and and so. You know, uh, the fancy word for all this is delegation, you know, learning how to learning how to give people opportunities to serve. And man, that's hard. I mean, it is super hard because we often think in a very prideful way, well, they're just not going to do it as well as as I would do it. They're not going to do it the same way that I would do it, you know, and um, and so I'm learning with that and I'm, I'm struggling along with, I think, everybody else. But I think we need to have a humble approach and realize that. You know, nothing needs to be built around us, around one person. We we need to we need to build uh, cultures, you know, within our churches, a, a culture within our church that says, you know, what we're we're in this together. And again, understanding there's going to be things that that I do that 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 yes, only I can do. But we need to find ways of being able to let others serve and not be so controlling in some sense. Uh, and, and maybe I'm just talking to me there. Maybe I'm just I'm just preaching to myself. But I know it's true for me. I know it's true that I need to uh, get better at at just asking people, "Hey, would you would you be willing to do this?" I, I read something recently. I think it was Phil Knight uh, who said this. I read the the book Shoe Dog, which is a really interesting read. But uh, he he said um, one thing that just stuck to, with me in that he said, "You know, don't tell people how to do something." 
He says, just tell them what to do and let them surprise you with the results. And, and so a lot of times we, we want to, if we find a volunteer, or we have somebody, we want to man, make them a long list and say, all right, you need to do it this way. You need to do it this way. You need to do it this way. Cause we think that we know best. But when we, when we realize that, you know what, there, there's people out there that can do things better than we can. That's, that's something that we need to realize, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I could share stories recently of how that happened for me, but the Lord just kind of put that on my mind and saying, you know what, there's nothing needs to be built around you, Chris. Um, there, there's other people around you that, um, that you can give responsibility to. You can ask, you can, you know, and, and they're willing to serve. It's not just pawning off you, your task onto somebody else. It's, it's letting them be a part of the church and serve the church in ways that maybe they never thought that they could. And so, and then that frees me up to be able to do what I really want to do, which is to, to preach and teach and, um, and to lead spiritually. I, I, what went through my mind when you described that is when we have a responsibility, when we have a, a, a ministry task in front of us, we often think, all right, we're going to get this volunteer. We're going to program them like a robot and they're going to go out and do the job like we want done. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's not it. You know, God has called us to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That we know that, yeah. and that's what we see. And and we've given you some uh, tips today on how to deal and to balance wearing multiple hats. But man, I think this this last piece is one of the most important: delegate, equip others for the work of ministry. Because when we do that, we're going to be able to expand. And we're going to be able to see the kingdom grow and we're going to see others grow in their faith as they serve. And so I just want to say thanks for joining us today as we've talked about wearing multiple hats in ministry. Um, If you are struggling in this area and you're thinking, I can't figure out this balance, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to spend some time around this subject. You can contact us at info at studentministrymatters.com. Love to set up a, a Zoom call or a phone call, and we can just help you kind of walk through that. Uh, we're here to help. We love you guys. We care about you. We care about students, and we do all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.